Jordan, welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. Yes, back on the wire. Feels good, as always. <laughs> it's not it's not even like a welcoming anymore. It's just like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> know, <yeah>. I'm back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I just want to dive right into this because I've been waiting to do this episode, but I've been patient at the same time. Yeah. Because the last one we did, we were talking about For All the Dogs, right? I remember when it came out, like, I texted you right away. Mm -hmm. I'm like, bro, it's for all the dogs day, right? Yeah. I didn't want us to do an episode right away because, you know, you got to sit on the music a little bit and, you know, see how it resonates in order to form a good opinion on it. 100%. Yeah. So now enough time has passed, I think, for us to actually, like, you know, let the music marinate. Mm -hmm. And I really want to hear your opinion on it, bro. Like, I've been waiting to hear this, bro. Yeah. I mean, again, once you texted me, uh, I gave you a way too early uh, opinion uh, on the album, um, but but that has that has changed for me. Um, I guess let me I guess take you back in terms of what it was like, what the experience of listening to it, alongside a lot of reviews and and Twitter and all this media that comes around. You know, all these critics and opinions that come around once a Drake album drops, right? So um, first thing, it got pushed back, right? So that pushed back to 6 a.m. Usually albums drop at midnight. He pushed it back to 6 a.m. I wonder if people will start doing that because it, it does make sense, especially um, in the Eastern time zone in terms of no one's listening to albums at 3, 4... AM regardless, right? People get up around 5 30, 6, 7, depending on their morning routine. And then the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna throw on that album, right? So again, soft. He has his table for one episode that he does uh at, at 12, right? Then oh wait, actually, actually he did it at 3 a.m. into 6 a.m. when the album came out at 6 a.m. Um and then off of the first listen. Really and truly, um, it did seem a bit all over the place. Uh, I didn't love the sequencing of it. Uh, and it's interesting, or what I got out of it after a few listens, is him randomly introducing B-A-R-K radio, Bark Radio, Um a nod to the weekend, I assume. Um, uh, and I, I guess one, I don't know if he's doing it in a sense where he's he's taking a shot at the weekend because he did have a shot on the album at the weekend. And I did think uh, OVO and EXO did piece it up. So I don't know if he just threw that whole Bark Radio as a a, a parody or a spoof to what the weekend did with Don FM. It's, it it did kind of seem like it because he didn't seem it didn't seem like he wanted to copy it throughout the album. It just happened through the later half of the album. But again, off first listen, that's confusing, right? It's just like okay, Bark Radio is getting introduced with Snoop Dogg out of nowhere. Um, I guess that's cool, right? In in essence, right? But it's been done before, right? But so again, like it's just kind of random in that sense. Um. But yeah, again, listening from the album from 1 to 23, like, 
it takes some time to get through in terms of there's a lot of music. Uh, some of the songs are longer. I understand that there's interludes that are shorter. So it's more so like a, a 2021 song album. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was similar to, I think we, we predicted, we gave like a comparison of what it would be like. And it was like CLB and Scorpion, for my opinion, but in my opinion, because it was, and I think you weren't too wrong in your analysis or your prediction of the album in terms of it being for all the dogs. In essence, it was for all the dogs in terms of for the women, because there's a lot of him patronizing or no, getting at women and just like saying, you don't really need them. You know, you're good by yourself, you know, just, you know, be a dog and just go about your way, you know, can come in and out of women's life and do what you have to do. So in essence, it was, it, it was for the women. It was speaking towards the women. The audience was women, but in essence, it's just like for that jaded man right for that man that's jaded coming out of a relationship or getting over a girl or just like going through things as a single man like with women you know what i mean like there's a lot of content that's based around that which i don't mind i i i appreciate jada drake like for me in a relationship like i still appreciate like a jaded man speaking into that content because I know how 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 devious women can be you know you know we know we understand the culture so a lot of those things when he's just you know like getting at women like like it's like ah you know one score for the man at the end of the day right but so again in terms of like the content like like it was okay uh the theme it just didn't seem like a cohesive project um but again the theme was there there was a, a clear theme um the features sexy red we got that prediction yeah um again it, it was more so the prediction was people that followed him around tour right so tizo touchdown we saw him come up with drake as well we've seen sexy red on tour with drake so that made sense um SZA, i guess i don't know where that came from but SZA featuring, the Yeet featuring feature, that's more so um, going into a specific target audience, of course. So that's, and that song's almost going number one. Um, so that's, the features were okay. I'm not mad at the features. And then he had uh, the uh, J. Cole feature too. He had the J. Cole feature. Um I think we need a whole discussion about that song, to be honest. But yeah, let me not go on too much about the album uh again I, I think it's a solid project over time i enjoyed it more i like to listen to that album specifically on shuffle i think it's a better it's a playlist i see it more as a playlist than a album that you listen to from front to back it's just throw it on you're gonna hear a one two songs that you enjoy on the project like i understand the the scrutiny and again, it's Drake versus Drake, right? We're comparing him to what he's done in the past or what he hasn't done, right? 
So I understand that as critics, we over-scrutinize his art and art is there to be scrutinized. So as media people, we are allowed to do such, right? So again, I understand the over-criticism of the album. Like what I say is his best project. No, I don't, I don't think it's his best work. Well, I say he is, he performed well. Yes, I think he did perform well on the album, right? I think he did perform well on certain songs. He delivered some songs we could do without. But again, he put together a collection of 20 songs that are sevens or eights or, or higher, right? So at the end of the day, I can't, I can't knock it and say it was a, a, a bad project. Okay, so if you had to give it a score, mm -hmm. like a score one to ten, what what would you rank it? Uh, I would rank it like a a seven. Seven, okay. Yeah. So yeah, you got you said something that was interesting that I kind of want to build build off of because it mm -hmm. was in line with what I wanted to say. When you say that it's Drake versus Drake, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to start off by saying that I do notice that there is this trend where every time Drake drops a project, and this started back in his Take Care days, people immediately go to, oh, I didn't really like this album. I, I, I like that the last one better. So like he drops Take Care, oh, I like Thank Me Later better. Mm -hmm. Right? Then he drops Nothing Was The Same, oh, I like Take Care better. Right? And then he does If You're Reading This Is Too Late. I didn't really hear it as much with that one. Right? But then when he did Scorpion, yeah, no, sorry, it was Views. He views, did Views. Yeah. Oh, I liked If You're Reading This Is Too Late, Drake better. Yeah. And then when he comes with Scorpion, oh, I like Views, Drake better. Mm -hmm. So I find that this is a pattern, right? And in terms, like for me, when I listened to this album, like, because I was already, I already started my day at 5 30. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, I just went about my day and I just, I saw that it dropped. I'm like, okay, so I just had it playing in the background while I'm getting some stuff done, right? And then the first track, I'm like, oh, I like the instrumental on this, right? Yeah, but the and Frank Ocean I, sample, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, as I heard the instrumental, I'm like, he's either gonna he's either gonna give us a Tuscan leather type, mm -hmm. or he's gonna give us the opening track on views, I believe, is like keep the family close. Yeah. So I'm like, you I was kind of leaning more towards to keep the family close, mm -hmm. but because the title was Virginia Beach, people thought oh, it was going to be a Pusha T diss track. But I thought, yeah. I'm like, no, that's too obvious. I think yeah, he's using yeah. that name to get people to spark people's attention to get that speculation going. But I didn't think he was going to do it. So mm -hmm. when I heard the beat, I'm like, I think this is going to be more of a keep the family close type of song, and that's what it was, right? And then. The Bark FM thing. I, so I didn't really take it as he was trolling the weekend, but now mm -hmm. after hearing you say that, I could see that reasoning. Yeah. I just personally think, and I told you this before I said on the podcast, I think he has a very, I don't want to say obsession, but he he really looks up to the weekend in terms of how he creates music and how he makes music. 100%. I'll agree there. I feel like he he sees The weekend. he listens to The weekend's music, and he's like, damn, like, there's a reason why he was almost recruited to be a party next door. You know what I mean? 100%. He, like, 
Drake envisioned what party is right now. It just set aside, you know, whatever it's writing or whatever he does for Drake to, I guess, um, bolster the sound is what he had envisioned for the weekend. But he clearly couldn't keep a guy like the weekend under wraps. Right. And I think as a fans, we um, benefited from that for sure. Right. 100 percent. Because Drake was looking at the weekend to be a party next door type of artist. Mm-hmm. But the weekend was looking at a Drake like that's the type of artist I aspire to be. Yeah. Right? But he just saw an opportunity and he took it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think although Drake is really I told you, I think their dynamic is very strange. Because if you go back, I did a video, we did that video last year. Yeah. Right? Where we broke down the, our favorite albums of the year. And I talked about how I thought that they were having a very strange petty back and forth. Well, Drake was having a strange petty back and forth with The Weeknd. Mm-hmm. And it all starts with him opening his show in Toronto, right? So Drake, he did that video outside the building. Yo, you know, what was it, 11 years ago? I was, st- yeah. I was sitting right here when I first heard his song. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He was kind yeah. of extending an olive branch, like, hey, you know, if I can, like, bring up some good memories, maybe he'll bring me out as a guest at the at Rod- at the uh, Skydome. Uh-huh. And then it didn't happen both nights. Yeah. Right? And then I think he felt salty about it. And then I told you he posted that thing on his story. Like, people can go back and you guys can watch that video. Uh-huh. But... I say all that to say that he has, like, he looks at The weekend as, like, a musical muse that he just, for whatever it is, maybe it's the authenticity of the music, maybe it's his writing style, maybe it's the delivery, maybe it's how he, how he's always going outside of the box and one-upping himself. Is this something yeah. about it that he admires, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's I like think- a Professor X, Magneto type of rivalry in that sense, where they have, they respect each other, they respect each other's craft, they also see each other as competitors, but in a in a respectful sense, like almost like a Ronaldo Messi type environment as well. Yeah, and I think, and I think, well, now like I saw like some uh, some of these fan pages on social media, I saw that now the Drake now that Drake unfollowed the weekend on Instagram. Mm. Mm. So that kind well, of again, was- there was a shot at the weekend on the on the album. Like he did yeah, say. So- on members only, I believe. He said girls are riding around to party, not the weekend, something along those lines, right? Yeah, so, so I think there is like he has a little animosity there. And I yeah. think it just feels like yo, I've always, you know, I've always bigged this guy up. I've always showed him love. I've extended olive branches. And yeah. he's always like he never, you know, publicly does the same for me. Right? Yeah. And I think he, I think he, he feels a way about it, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree because Drake is a guy. He does it with, he does it with J Cole. He does it now with Kendrick, but all the other like people, he'll try to work with and try to like, you know, build some type of friendship with or shout them out or you see him with Future or whoever it is. Like he, he likes relationships. 100%. But he likes to be in control of what that relationship is. Exactly. And he even said it himself, like when he did his interviews with like, when he's done his interviews in the past, like the most recent one was Elliot Wilson, when he was like, all those years that had passed that so we never made music together, right? Mm-hmm. So I know for the past 12 years, he regrets 
and it bothers him that he's never been able to collaborate with this dude. Yeah. And I think The Weeknd looks at it like, I'm making great music on my own, so I don't really need to collaborate with you. Because the, last, oh, yeah. time, the yeah. last time they worked together was like 10 years ago. It was on, I believe it was a Kissland on Live For. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was the that was the last time they ever collaborated together. Never collaborated yeah. since. And I just don't think The Weeknd feels the need to work with this guy. That's what I'm saying. Drake more needs the, I guess, the popular audience in terms of like, what other people like he needs the hot rapper or the hot artist to i guess balance off of right to i guess create together weekend could just go weekends more kanye right weekend could create do his own environment that he puts together whatever idea he has set forth he can just put it together and it's gonna be different it's gonna be it's going to be unique to the weekend and it's not going to be anything that you've heard ever before. Drake, it's going to be familiar sounds, right? That you're, that the, that the, I guess the general public that they're already aware of, right? It's just more of the excitement of, Oh, it's this attached to Drake. It's this artist attached to Drake. This artist attached to Drake. That's the excitement that you get off of, Drake and Drake knows that as well, right? So yeah. he uses that as leverage. When Weekend has a, I don't need to work with this artist. I don't need to like if they want a feature for me, sure. But is it is Weekend seeking out these artists to put together a project? No. Will he be on their project and do a favor for sure? But will he be like, I need to pull from here, pull pull a sexy red, pull like he, Weekend's never doing that. No. Right. And he's not bringing in the hardest artists and just working it just because it's going to sell. Right. Yeah. And that's one thing, too, that I want that I wanted to add in. Right. In terms of the album or just Drake's body of work as a whole. I do find that he works with a lot of familiar faces. Right. Which is not a bad thing because it's who he feels comfortable with. You know, they understand his artistry. They understand how to get the most out of his sound. I get all that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the key difference between the both of them is if you look at, you know, from album to album, The Weeknd's always switching on his producers, right? Yeah. And he's trying to capture new sounds. Yeah. So you'll see him work with like a Gasafelstein and... You know, now he's working Swedish with, House Mafia. Swedish yeah. House Mafia. He's working with this guy at OPN. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's been doing a lot of work with Mike Dean, right? So he's mm-hmm. always switching out his producers. And it's not that he's not loyal to the people he works with. It's just that sometimes you gotta step out of the people you're comfortable with to experiment and try new things to to explore a different side of your game, so to speak, right? Yeah. And I think with Drake. I think that's one of the things that he's missing. It's mm-hmm. I respect Forty. Forty, he's great at what he does. He's an he's an incredible producer, mm-hmm. right? But it's you got to expand your world now beyond just you know Forty and the usual people. Yeah, you know, tapping into some new producers that could maybe help that may have a different vision for you musically than you would have even thought, and maybe that can open up a whole new door for him. Hundred percent, but. You gotta give him the benefit of the doubt. He kind of did do that with honestly, never mind. To be honest, and I in terms of 
and I thought the album had potential. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like so again, so I, 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 he does try. Like again, honestly, if we're if we're, we're going to criticize him for that, he did try that with honestly, never mind. And again, he received a lot of hate from it, and I feel like, as we'll get to soon, right when we get into Joe Budden and and everything, but he sees everything right drake is one of those guys he's looking at comments he is very aware of what's going on within the culture whether it's through his friends or what he sees but he is very aware of trends right and him being aware of trends you could see that any criticism he receives he tries to counter it by giving fans what they want, right? Honestly, never mind comes out. Oh, we don't want we don't want to hear Drake like on these dance songs, these dance records, these house songs, these electric songs. Like we want to hear him rapping, right? He drops her loss. That's like yo, shut up. Here you go, right? So he puts that out now. I, I I don't think her loss had. I think her loss still had a, some criticism early, but it didn't last that long. And now he's like, okay, boom. You should be happy with that. I feel like at the end of the day, the majority of critics were happy with that album, right? And now he does for all the dogs, right? Now with all the dogs, like in this short time frame. He's putting out a lot of music, right? And it's like, that's a lot of verses. That's a lot of just in the studio, working with people, just like a lot of time, a lot of effort that he's putting in. And I just, it's, I think it, it's unfair for us to over-criticize the art because, one, he's been doing this for 15 years now. He's been, if not one, two every year, right? In terms of popularity, in terms of like the sound, in terms of the brand and him as an artist, right? So in terms of what he's put out so far, it's like, like cut, cut him some slack. Like he's put, he's put out so much music. He's given the fans so much where Kendrick will put out his last project and Kendrick is gone. We're not hearing from Kendrick. Drake's the only one that's out here in the trenches, giving us music yearly, whether it's a feature, whether it's a, a smudge project, whatever it's a scary hours, an EP. Like he's putting out a lot of music, a lot of writing, and he's saying a lot of stuff. So I feel like a bit of it is, I guess, listeners fatigue with Drake. And I guess in terms of the same producers, it's the same sound that we're getting. You get that singing and, and rapping Drake. And, and again, we he feels the need. I said that, I think he said that in an interview with Elliot Wilson, where he feels the need that he has to rap and he has to sing on every project, right? He can't just do a full rap project. He can't just do a full singing project, right? And with this project for all the dogs, he there's something on that project for everyone. That's why it's a it's it, I see it as a playlist. 
something he could throw on a shuffle. There's a Bad Bunny song that's gonna work for the Latino culture. There's 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 a, a Houston Atlanta Southern song with Sexy Red and SZA that's gonna work down south. There's your Toronto song, the party. There's your there's your song with uh, Yeet that's gonna work for that younger demographic. There's um his singing and rapping songs. There's there's Teasel Touchdowns, which is like a new target demographic as well. Like there's still the drink that we know and that we love in that album as well. So when I sit back and analyze it from that point of view, it's like he gave it, he gave us a lot. I you know what I mean? And I, I, I just still feel like he I'm glad he's taking a break. I'm I'm curious to see life or music without Drake's influence in these next couple of years as we see hip hop hip hop in a in a slight decline right now. Just a slight <laughs> <laughs> and a downward a downward trend. A downward like, trend. <laughs> here's the thing with Drake, right? I don't look to I don't look for the uh you know, spitting bars, storytelling Drake. He had his era where he was doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's to me, it's ridiculous amount of pressure that every time you put something out, immediately it gets compared to the last thing. Oh, it's not as good as the last album, right? That to me is an unfair standard. Like the expectation is that every time he drops, he has to give a classic. No, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Like just the fact that he has, you know, multiple classics in his catalog, is more than what majority of artists will ever achieve in their career, right? So right. I agree, it is an unfair standard and it's an unfair burden and expectation that's placed on him, right? But this is an expectation that's placed on other artists too. It's just that they tune it out and do what they want to do anyways. 100%, like, yeah. You know, like, okay, behind me, you see I have that uh, like that Steve Jobs poster, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I like it is because it has a quote on it, but basically what he is trying to say to give a summary of it is that don't allow don't be limited to other people's thinking do what is right to you oh so that's That's ironic that's ironic because the joe Budden podcast right (laughs) i know we're getting there but he (laughs) had steve jobs as the cover art for the episode he put out behind the patreon really behind the paywall, he had Steve Jobs as the cover art for that episode in his response to Drake's comment. Okay, so that's very... Okay, I didn't even know that, but... Yeah, that's, that's, very, that's, that's ironic. That's ironic. I, ironic. Again, I didn't get to listen to the episode because it was on Patreon and, and, and I don't subscribe to Joe Budden's Patreon, but uh, yeah. that that I guess that makes sense in terms of a response to, to Drake. Yeah. Yeah, like the quote on that on the poster behind me. I got that when I was an undergrad. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying a word for word. I'm paraphrasing, but it said, yeah. "Your time is limited. You know, yeah. follow your intuition because in the end, it truly knows what you want to become." Mm-hmm. That's a paraphrase of what that quote actually says, right? But the reason why I'm bringing that up is because people are always going to have an expectation, especially when you're like a creator. There's always going to be an expectation of what they want you to go back to of what they want you to sound like. But you have to do what you believe is right. And I think the fact that Drake is now taking this break, he can evaluate because only he can answer truthfully. Yeah. The music that he's been putting out the past few years, 
is that music that's been true to you and where you were at creatively or was it yeah. trying to keep up with the end industry and keep up with the trends in order to stay relevant i don't know the answer that's mm-hmm. he has to reflect and think about within himself right yeah i can only just look at the art that he's delivering so based on the art that he's delivering as to me it's good music right he's putting out good music it's not the mm-hmm. greatest i've ever heard from him but it's not the worst yeah. i've ever heard from him so yeah with this album I, i'll be a little bit more generous than you i'm going mm-hmm. to say that i'll give it a seven and a half okay. i just like the way i just like the way that it sounded i thought it was a good album right yeah he delivered on a lot of the expectations because we did the episode breaking down our expectations and what we predicted yeah so he met a lot of those predictions like we both said that there'd be a sexy red involvement there was yeah i said that he would make an album that gravitates more towards women yeah and i was kind of shaky on that prediction because when i heard the sizzle song i'm like okay that's where he's going yeah. Then he dropped the timestamp song, and then I was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll. <laughs> and then when I heard the actual album, then I felt confident in my prediction. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You You're pretty spot on, to be honest. Yeah. I'm Outside like, of like me thinking that, like, oh, he's just going to have like Lotto and all these people on it to make it like super for the bitches, but like, in essence, the content and the theme was directed at women. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that's what I thought it was too, right? But again, like the music sounded good to me, so I didn't mm-hmm. really mind. That's what he was doing because that was my expectation going into it, right? And then, you know, he did stuff enough, and we can kind of use this to segue into like the uh, Joe Budden conversation. But he threw mm-hmm. in some stuff in there enough to create, you know, chatter. Yeah, around who was he talking about, right? Because, you know, people are saying, "Oh, he got at Rihanna," like he was just mm-hmm. Rihanna on the album. You know, like yeah. you mentioned, there was like those subtle jabs at the weekend that he took. I only caught yeah. the the one where he said the party next door line. Then he said the one about the weekend. I only caught that one. Mm-hmm. And then I thought the Bark FM thing, I thought that was him kind of like trying to show he was inspired. But now that I'm looking at it, the way you explained in that. Context, it could be either side. It could be either side of it. You know, you never know. Right. And then so he you're right. He did give a little bit to everybody. Yeah. So. I would say if you took CLB, because I think there was a lot of CLB in there. Yeah. I think if you take her loss. Mm, there's her loss in there because yeah. his, his style of rapping and the little Yachty, um, I guess, production or involvement um, is why that her loss, the touch of her loss is still within yeah. the album on his, or his style of rapping is still very um, relatable to her loss. And then I think he took small elements of views, not a lot, but small elements of views. Mm-hmm. And then I think he crafted it in the mold of a more life. Right? Okay. So you I don't think- you don't feel feel the scorpion, the B side of scorpion. I do in essence of the more so R and B focused songs mm-hmm. and the jadedness of Drake. I could see that. Like I could see that because I if my memory serves me correct, I do think like the B side of Scorpion was very R and B heavy, R and B and female friendly. Yeah, so I could see him drawing from that playbook again. So I'll give that one to you. I mm. think there was elements of it in there, and I think More Life even had like wasn't it like twenty three or twenty five songs. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I think he kind of followed that 
Where do you see the where do you see the more life in it though? I'm saying in terms of the fact that there's 23 songs. Okay. So you okay. see how you're saying it gives you a playlist, you know? Mm-hmm. You know you're saying it gives you a playlist thing? Yeah. When he dropped more life, remember he didn't market it as an album or a mix uh, no, it's supposed to be a playlist. A playlist. So Correct. if you're getting that sense, and he probably was doing a little bit of more life in terms of structure. Yeah. But in, in sequence. Of, yeah. Yeah. But in terms of sound, I got small hints of views, mm-hmm. maybe a dash of Scorpion. Yeah. And then there was CLB in there. Yeah. Her loss. So I would say those four projects, I yeah. would say comprise the sound the actual sound of this album mm-hmm. and yeah this can kind of segue us into the uh into the whole joe budden situation because yeah. I, mean, I give it seven and a half you gave it a seven yeah joe budden had some very strong opinions about the album yeah and he then, did and then drake had a very strong even stronger response to what he said mm-hmm. so what did you make of the, like what did you make of that whole thing that they had going on? Yeah. So I'm an avid Joe Budden podcast listener. Um and I listened to the episode where again, he drops his his podcast episode on the Saturday. He records on the Friday. So in terms of the album came out 6 a.m. on that Friday, like at the end of the day he has to do a show, right? And over at that network, content is important, right? And and Joe, in his seat at that network, he's like, he's the star player, right? He is the one that has to push, or push the or push the the car for it to go, right? And everyone else will support him as as such, right? Um, so again, Joe pushed an envelope. Right again, the album just dropped. Probably listened to it once or twice. And again, I respect Joe's opinion, and I think he's very wise and he's critical. He's a critical thinker, right? And he's a, he's a wordsmith. And when he goes about how he analyzes and responds to something, like he's able to pull something from it, right? So from him listening to it once or twice or how many ever times he listened to it before recording, yes, I understand him critiquing Drake based on the content of the album in terms of him mentioning a 25-year-old, him mentioning a 21-year-old, him mentioning like name-dropping uh, Haley, Nadine, Chardine, all that, right? Like you understand, like for sure, he can criticize the the what he's talking about in terms of the content of the album. But again, like that's just one aspect of his review. Joe also said he did he did like the album, but again, Joe and it's a clip, right? A clip can get spun in a very negative lens, right? So they took a clip of him saying, stop hanging out with um, 25-year-old girls, hang out with people your age. And that is what, I guess, hurt Drake, right? Or Drake found disrespect in that stance. All right? And, of course, like, you're going to feel disrespect because, like, Drake's not hanging out with Kai Sinat, Bobby, da 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 but he 
is a chameleon in terms of he knows what the culture is and he knows what people are interested in and what people are gravitating to and he knows how to utilize a trend. He's a marketing genius. So when he's doing all this, he knows he does it for a reason. And Drake has continually done what he does and his team and the brand has done what they've done because they understand what the trends are and what the target audience is. So it's not so much like what he speaks on is what he does or what he goes through. Yes, there's probably like he's very authentic and he does get a, a bit deeper into to his lifestyle, but he's also pulling that from like a one vacation or one trip or da da da, and he's writing it and you know, and that's what he's putting out as art, right? And it's realistic things that again we can't all compare or we can't all understand what Drake goes through, but like. There's some things you can pull from, like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've, that's happened to me. Or, yeah, these girls always move like that. Like, you can understand that. So, the I don't dis- I disagree with Joe because, one, you just listened to the album. Like, you had to put something together. You have a – people are all waiting for your review. You have to give a review within a short time frame. And then, of course – Drake didn't take it how, well, who knows, right? He got what, who knows? At the end of the day, it's all smoke and mirrors. Joe could have done this, clipped it up, because he wanted to get Drake's attention, similar to Charlemagne. And it's just just unfortunate that we live in such a, a toxic, negative generation where, like, it's more popular to hate rather than just saying, oh, yeah, I loved it. That's not going to get clipped up, right? If you say, oh, this is an amazing project, it was flawless, there's nothing I didn't like, you know? No, you're going to have to hate on it or find some type of negative component to the album and go with it and scream and yell and be theatric because that's going to get, that's going to get, that's going to be trendy. And they're doing the same thing. Drake and Joe's doing that to gain uh gain to gain an audience to gain traction to get something trendy to be out there because it's media at the end of the day right like you want to be trending you want to be the talk of the discussion you want to be in the reddit groups you want to be all about that right drake's doing the same thing because he understands the audience he understands this generation so he goes in and he talks about what this generation wants to talk about and what's what they want to hear if Drake does his 444, they're going to kill him. 110%. If 36 or 37-year-old Drake is here talking about investing and all this, like, come after her loss? What are we talking about here? Right? So that's where I'm like, Joe, come on. Come on. Like, Drake has time to do all that whenever he wants. So for you to get on him talking about hanging out with young people, all this, when you are a, a trick daddy or known for being a trick daddy, like you you can't be hypocritical in that sense, knowing that this is your bag. You're in the strip club. You know what this is going to do in the strip club. So again, Joe, 
I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because, again, you're creating content, right? You need content that's going to be trendy or be clipped up or get some type of attention. He was successful in that, right? It's just unfortunate that it has to be hate that leads to something being a moment. When I look back, when I think about this whole situation, I think there's many layers to it, right? The first thing that I notice is that there's a lot of projection. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the last episode that we did on the expectations, you said, and you called it spot on. You said, you know, Drake responded to Charlemagne, and I know Joe Budden, I know Joe Budden <laughs> wished that was him, right? And you just said that as a joke, obviously, but, you know, there's always truth behind some jokes because mm -hmm. I'm sure right now, Joe Budden is like celebrating in his, I'm sure he's celebrating in his house that Drake gave him that attention. Podcast numbers are up. 100%. Podcast numbers are up. Everything's up. So I think a lot of people's issues with Drake, to be honest, is projection because mm -hmm. they're looking at him and his age and what they think he should be doing, what he should be talking about and what a subject matter should revolve around. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm guilty of it too, to a certain extent, because I never got at him for his music, right? I've always just said to me, it's just the antics of the, the fingernail stuff and mm -hmm. the, the different color clips in his hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something I would personally do myself, right? Mm -hmm. But if that's how you want, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. So I think a part of it is like there's that projection of what they expect. Because even too, I heard. You know, I, like obviously what Joe Budden said, like, yo, stop. I don't want to see you hanging out with Kai Sana. I don't want to see yeah. you talking to these 21 and 25 year old girls. Yeah. Because if you were that age, maybe you wouldn't hang out with a Kai Sana and mm -hmm. you maybe talk to girls that age. Right. It doesn't mean he has to. And this is where sometimes being a fan of someone, it can kind of cross that line into where it gets a little bit toxic and unhealthy. Yeah. Because when people are a fan of someone, when people are a fan of someone, there's a certain, I don't want to say entitlement, but there's a certain level of control that people think they have over the object of their fandom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they want to be able to say, like, oh, why are you wearing that? Why are you saying that? You know, why Why are you hanging out with those people? Why are you with that person? Yeah. Like, there's a certain level of entitlement or control that people think that they have over that that object of their admiration. And I think... Joe Budden kind of was expressing that when he reviewed the podcast, right? And mm -hmm. that's why I'm glad that you and I, we took that time to at least come back and do this episode and have a conversation. Because imagine if we recorded the same day it dropped. The yeah. opinion you gave me now was was vastly different than 100%. the opinion you gave me when I texted you that morning. Yeah, right? yeah. You had time to sit on the music. And mm -hmm. when you sent me that response... I said to you, I'm like, I want to give this thing, I want to give it some time. Yeah. Because I suspect that this is the kind of album that is going to age well, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's going to age well, especially as hip hop continues the steep decline that it's on. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're going to be looking back for all the dogs for sure. Yeah. We're going to look <laughs> yeah. back at this and say, like, this album was a bright spot in a dark time. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Exactly. And even with Charlemagne, when he. You know, Charlemagne, he was saying, I was hoping that, you know, Drake would talk about, you know, getting married and starting a family. Uh -huh. That's because that's what you valued yeah. at that age. It doesn't yeah. mean that's what he has to value, right? Uh -huh. Like, 
would it be nice to hear him talk about, you know, picking up his son from school and helping him with his homework and being more involved in his life? I mean, maybe it would make for good content. I don't know. But like, you, exactly. Yeah, like, like, maybe it would. I don't know, right? And even with 444, like, I thought that was a good Jay-Z album. Mm-hmm. But it is widely panned as not being a good album by him. Yeah. Like, a certain demographic of people like it, yes. But... A wider audience doesn't like it. Yeah. And Jay-Z was the same guy that told Nas, are you trying to kick knowledge? And then 16 years later, you're kicking knowledge. Yeah. Right? So you have to, like, people need time to evolve and grow into who they're going to become. Maybe one day Drake will become that type of artist. Right? Yeah. But I think a lot of what is happening is I think there was projection. Mm -hmm. And... I would say, like, when I read that response that Drake made, I was like, damn, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> this guy brought this yeah. guy brought a gun to a fist fight, bro. Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Right. But at yeah. the same time, like, Joe's been taking a lot of these, like, little pot shots at him for so long. Yeah. For and the, so long. Yeah. And Drake, he's someone who's very, he's very into social media. Like, mm-hmm. I can tell he's really into social media. He cares about these things. Yeah. So, yeah, he took that person, especially when it's a media personality that you know has a certain level of influence mm-hmm. that can control narratives to an extent. Exactly, exactly. But yeah. also, too, I think he admires him. And that's another thing I want to discuss is because Joe Budden was, you know, people were referencing that video where people were like, oh, Drake is a fan of Joe Budden and he went to one of his shows or something like this. Yeah, yeah. And he used to rap like, and, and Drake used to rap, rap like Joe and all that. Yeah, I've heard it all. Like, listen, yeah. you can respect someone's artistry, right? You can still respect someone's artistry, but you can still be able to say that, yo, like, just because I respected what you did as an artist, it doesn't mean that you really panned out to be something, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not really wrong in how he assessed his career. Like, yeah. yeah, I respected your artistry because maybe you're good at, like, you know, putting words together and, you know, your similes and metaphors were on point. But that doesn't necessarily mean now that you're inspiration. He just respected how you did it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's unbelievable, really and truly. Um, and, and again, again, it's, it's they have an interesting dynamic. Uh, I feel like Drake keeps his friends close and his enemies even closer. And that's why he, he's able to always get at them in a very unique way, right? When he's getting at enemies such as Pusha T, for example, or an ASAP Rocky or, or Joe Budden, like, you know, he's, he's very aware to the finer details, right? So when he's writing up a long post like that, you can see how detailed. It's not just saying nonsense. It's you can see how clever he mm-hmm. is with these responses to these individuals that want to get at him. Right? Yeah, the Aniche genes, bro. That kills me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but do one of those, their, do your things while I do my yeah. things. <laughs> but that is their but that is their audience though. Like yeah. that is who that is who Joe Budden would attract, right? <laughs> He's not gonna yeah. attract the mass audience that Drake has, at least not as a rapper, he's not doing it, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. No one's gonna be pump pumping it up, bro. Like, <laughs> like, like, so, 
that's just what it is. And I think, you know, so I think that was a very strong response to give back to the guy. But I think he had to also let it be known, like, yo, listen, like, you know, don't, you can't just talk to me any which way you feel like. You're like, there has yeah. to be a certain level of respect that you have to show. 100%. Like, yeah. You can't just listen to an album the first day and form an opinion and, like, because this is content. This stuff's forever, bro. Yeah. And this is, so, this is Drake. There's not like, I understand, like, we're criticizing, we're critical about a, a new artist, right? Or artists are just getting going, right? And we say, we like their first project, their debut project, their second project. Uh, I didn't like X, Y, Z. This is an artist that has been around and at the top of the game for damn near 15 years, giving out Michael Jackson type level of performance and greatness, right? So talking to him or trying to say how he should be acting or maneuvering or what he should be rapping about it it sounds crazy and then it just sounds crazy because it's like like what do you mean that like, this is a guy that is dominating he sent he first week he did 410k mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like it's it, like that's why for drake it's like it's unfortunate that he can't really just like block it out but i i appreciate him almost being aware it's almost like he he doesn't ignore fans or the audience or the media he's very very well aware he's very in tune right so you got to appreciate that he actually listens or he tries to like tap in to the culture and he doesn't just like shy away from it because it's like we feel like heard in that sense and in, in return, he always delivers year to year to year. So again, with all this, and again, I, I, I'm glad that Drake's taking his time away, his health concerns and everything. Pray that he's good and he can come back and continue to be that dominant force in the music industry that he's been for the last 15 years. So again, I think it's good for one, I think it's good for the music industry just to take a real look in the mirror and say, what are we in the next five to ten years? What are what is what is it gonna look like when we don't have a Drake project to discuss from from a podcast lens? We they had they built up this Drake project for probably three weeks of content, mm-hmm. saying, Oh, he dropped this single, or he dropped this cover art or you drop this it's adonis wait tay tay right when you remove such a huge figure from the media space this is again this is like when lebron leaves the nba what is the conversation looking like uh jason tatum is um had another good game oh Giannis, uh you know he's killing it with dame you know what i mean so at the end of the day it's like we have to show a, a different level of appreciation and not just kind of brush it off when we're discussing his greatness because it's it's pivotal, right? We're going to feel it when he is absent from this space, right? So again, yes, we can criticize it as much as we want, but it shouldn't be in a criticism where it's like, you need to change. Yeah. and It should should never be that. Yeah, and there's two points that I wanna there's two points that I wanna say. 
you know, it's this weird cycle where, you know, when you're on the come up and you're like the underdog, everyone loves you and they root for you and they want to see you win. And then you win, they're happy for you. I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that you did it, you know? And then you win again. And then you win again. And then you just keep winning, keep winning. Then we always see this and everything. And it becomes music. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes a it becomes a form of resentment. Right. And in one of the episodes I did, I I talked about this book, The 48 Laws of Power. One of the Mm -hmm. books and one of the laws in it is that you know never appear too perfect because it only made people dislike you more. So one thing about Drake is yeah, musically, you know, he shows us his vulnerabilities and like you read headlines about the imperfections in his life. But professionally, like the guy's goaded. Like the guy has done anything and everything you can you can think of, right? So a lot of people look at that with envy and then it starts mm-hmm. to become hatred and it becomes a lack of appreciation that yeah. people have. And I do think that this break coming up, I think it'll do wonders for him. Mm-hmm. You know, just on a mental health level, mm-hmm. on a physical, you know, on a physical health level creatively i think it'll be great for him right yeah and it'll give him time to you know bond with his son more on a familial level right so i think overall it'll do wonders for him i wish him the best Mm -hmm. i have nothing negative to say about the guy yeah and yeah i have a lot of love and respect for him i'm gonna include that in there too (laughs) because i do truthfully i do have a lot of love and respect for the guy like at the end of the day like I grew up on this. I grew up on this man's music. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, like when I was going from high school to undergrad to adulthood, he was always there. He yeah. was always there, dropping heat. You know what I yeah. mean? So I have to have like respect and appreciation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can tell you exactly where I was when he dropped "Take Care," what stage of my life I was at, and what mm-hmm. that album you know meant to me. Right? So yeah, I do have that love and respect and appreciation for him and what he does. So you know, definitely well deserved for him you know, with him taking that break. But another mm-hmm. thing that I want to discuss, because we're talking about, like, hip-hop as a whole, yeah, right? It's a very weird genre and industry because we're the only ones that talk about, oh, this guy is so old. Why don't you just retire? You're so old. Just retire. And I don't see this in any genre of music. Like... Mm-hmm. Rock, country. Yeah. None of that. Like... Yeah. What's that guy? Like Miley Cyrus's dad, Billy Ray Cyrus, yeah. right? Yeah. He could announce an album tomorrow and people would be excited. Oh, we're getting Sold out shows. Sold out yeah. dates. Yeah. Aero oh, Smith. we're getting a uh, Billy yeah. Ray Cyrus album. Yeah. He's my yeah. favorite, right? Yeah. And they'll have excitement. But like, if a Drake or, you know, or one of the like, if a guy like Drake says, yo, I'm dropping an album, they're going to bring up his age immediately into the conversation. Yeah. Oh, if he's going to rap about that young people stuff, I don't want to hear. I want to hear him talk about that grown man shit. You know what I mean? Like, we age our artists out. Yeah. And it's a very strange thing that we do. I think with him taking a break, I think it's a good thing that he's doing it. Because it's going to give the industry time to, like you said, do some soul searching. Mm -hmm. Because labels are not checking for rappers anymore. No. No, not at all. Not at all. Or, or it, even if it, it's short, it's like, okay, you dropped a project, a music video. All right, go on tour. Uh, when are you going to drop another one? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. nothing unique about it, right? It's just, okay, we listen. That's it. 
All right, you might build up your album and then you build up a tour and then yeah, you're just a worker. Yeah, it's weird like the like what was it? Last week I saw this thing on Twitter, right? Or X, whatever people mm-hmm. want to call it. But I saw a picture of uh, Paul McCartney from the Beatles. I've mm-hmm. never listened to the Beatles before, right? But he mm-hmm. posted a picture of him and his wife. I think either it was his birthday or her birthday, I can't remember, but it was just it was just him basically saying celebrating this day with my beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. And then I just I was looking at the replies and everyone's like, oh, thank you for all the great memories. Thank you for the music. Thank you. You know, like you're amazing. You're awesome. All these kind things that they're saying. But then let Drake post a picture of him at dinner. Yo, why is yeah, he yeah. wearing that? Why is he wearing yeah. that? What is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a complete opposite reaction. So it's it's a very strange thing that's going on in the genre, right? And I think it's gone to a point now where it, it can't survive. Like this is not yeah. like you're not always sustainable. Gonna, it's not sustainable. Like you're always going to look for new, younger talent. And then what mm-hmm. happens with the one? What happens with the? What happens with the ones you just discovered? They get older, so you toss them away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pe- hey, speaking about tossing people away, <laughs> <laughs> Jada Pickett is back in the news. <laughs> oh my goodness! I... Oh my god. At this point, when is she, when is she gonna give it up? I I don't know. I, I don't want like how many times can she bring up her different type of love with Tupac? What at are we doing? Point, at this point, bro, I have to put this on Will because this is something that needs to be regulated right away. You know what I mean? Yeah, like but, you just detach yourself from that situation, 100%. like right like, away. You know what? Like you could try once or twice. Like you know how it goes in a marriage and a relationship, whatever. You try once or twice, but then when she's out here moving like this, what we you're talking about? Rest in peace. Rest in rest his soul. Tupac, why do you keep bringing up this man's name? I think I think he imprinted her. To be honest, there's a strange dynamic that happens with girls, like when they're younger. You know, there's always that one that they think got away. That one relationship, yeah, I'm sure. And yeah. then they end up they end up with the person who wasn't necessarily always their first choice. Like you know, that happens in some cases, right? Mm-hmm. To be honest, in my opinion, like my assessment of it is that. She loved off Tupac, but yeah, he had her friend zoned. Like he didn't really see her in that way. Yeah. Like he was kind of smart enough to know that yo, this woman is like bad shit crazy. I want nothing to do. <laughs> I think he was smart enough to see that real quick. So he just yeah. distanced himself, right? Yeah. And the fact that he did that only made her want him want more. Want him more. Yeah. But then, you know, unfortunately he had an untimely death. Yeah. And then Will Smith at that time was like this burgeoning star. Like mm-hmm. he was making a name for himself in music and then he was transitioning. You no, know, he had Fresh Prince at the time and he's getting into film. Yeah. So he was like this beta male that made a lot of money and had a lot of fame and had a lot of success. So it made sense for her to go with him because he was a yeah. safe option. And you know, a lot of these many women nowadays. You know, they're really heavy into feminism and they always look at everything like a competition with men. Yeah. So she saw that Will was a star that she would never be. Mm-hmm. So this is her get back. 
Yeah, so that jealousy that she always felt that Will is the man that I could never be. He was a star that I could never become. You know, on top of the fact that she always felt that Tupac was her soulmate, but she ended up with this guy. So she only so now she's resenting Will on two different levels. Mm-hmm. One because he's not Tupac, and two because he's just way more successful than she could ever imagine. Yeah, and then you know, combine that with now she's getting older. You know, women they they have kids, mm-hmm. and then the midlife crisis kicks in. Yeah, so it is just a snowball of a lot of BS that she's now yeah. just using to like bury Will Smith. Yeah, and Will just doesn't to me. He just doesn't have the backbone and the courage to just walk away. I think. Will is also at a point where he does not give two shits about. <laughs> oh, you we see it with like him being on Instagram, or I guess the last couple of years, uh, how he is on Instagram in terms of like he's just on a almost like a cloud nine of living life and doing thrilling like and adventures, right? So he's, I guess, he's. He is detached from it, but he's also respectful. So he's not going to turn around and do her dirty the way she's doing him dirty. So, again, he's a better man than me in that lens. But, I I mean, it's just we get him slapping Chris Rock, and now this story comes out about Chris Rock axed out Jada on a date and all this other nonsense. And then for her to turn around and say, oh, yeah, like he was acting on a character on that Oscar night. Like he should should have never done that. Like he tried to tell, he tried to calm Will down saying like, it's not about that. Like Chris said, sorry. Like after a man comes to your defense and does all this after you've been berating him, for weeks prior to the Oscars, Red Table, all this August Alcina stuff. And now for you to come back for part three, the sequel, like still bringing up Tupac just because you have this book to promote. Like, why do you have to leverage bashing a man to build up what you're trying to promote? Like that's, it doesn't get any nastier than that. And all the smoke, yeah. You know, I I don't know. I don't really listen to that podcast, really and truly. But like, I don't understand how all the smoke is interviewing Jada Smith, Jada Pickett, like she is in sports, like she is in the WNBA, like we don't have the WNBA finals going on right now. And you choose to bring on Jada Pickett Smith to bash Will Smith and promote her book and talk about Tupac. I, I get that he's a happy-go-lucky guy, right? If the disrespect is becoming public now, that means there's a lot of disrespect that was happening privately. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, he should have right then and there. And I know it's very difficult and it's, like, challenging, but sometimes you got to know when to cut your losses and walk away, right? Yeah. And, for example, like Jeezy, out of the blue one morning, we just find out that he's filing for divorce from her. Yeah. I don't even think I don't know that like what happened with them. It's nothing has been put out there, but it's probably something that's not even to the degree of what Jada has been doing with him. Yeah, but Jeezy is a 
is you know mentally trained enough to know that like hey this yeah today this is, we're not this, going for that yeah, yeah today it's this tomorrow if i don't do anything about it now it's yeah. only gonna progressively get worse 100 percent. so he's he's cutting his losses early and leaving before it could get to that point i think mm-hmm. that's what will messed up right yeah and it's sad because you know when you're when you're getting married you take certain wow. goals that like yeah. hey you know we're gonna through thick and thin we're gonna work through this together right mm-hmm. but respect has to be the foundation yeah of any successful relationship right marriage especially respect has to be the foundation and you know for the things that i outlined it doesn't seem like the respect was ever there no and you know will smith i think he was just a young guy very naive and yeah. he just went with it and it's to the point of no return, obviously. Yeah. And even now she's saying we've been separated for the past seven years. So what the hell was all that foolishness about August Alcina and all that stuff that was going on? Oh, what? Like I don't. I just don't understand. Like what? What is separation to you guys? Like I see you guys together. There's family vacations. Like I. Uh, there must be a different type of separation that I, I'm not aware of. But again, like you're together. At the Oscars, why are you guys there sitting together if you guys are separated? You like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's a lot of just BS. Yeah, and she said it was we're separated <laughs> for like what did she say, seven years or something? Yeah, yeah, seven. Yeah, I think it was seven or nine, seven to nine years, something like okay, that. Okay, yeah. So you're separated for seven years, so that will put you at 2016, right? Yeah. So that means we had the we had the Alcina situation, right? We had the Oscar slap. All that stuff went on. Why was if you guys were separated? Why do you feel the need to have to clear the air on a yeah? Why are we having a red moment? table talk? Like what? We, For what? We're separate. I thought we were separated. Yeah. So why not just put out a joint statement like, "Hey, we're separated right now," and then eventually just go through a divorce, like go through a divorce, and then just call it quits. But you see, that's where, and I don't even believe they were separated. I think that's a lie. I think mm-hmm. she's just going out there publicly again to just make Will look bad. Yeah, I think it's a straight lie. Yeah, but. You know, it's something that he should have done very early on to like to just get out while you're yeah, again, but I, I understand that but the children make it difficult, right? Jaden's growing up and then you have Willow and they're both thriving stars or budding stars, right? So again, a lot of that comes from Will, right? And his influence on them in the acting realm and in music, right? So Again, him being such an influential father, I, I feel like that even even digs deeper into Jada Pickett having been more resentful towards Will, right? Because they naturally just gravitate to Will, right? And his talent and his ability to like be a father or teach them things or be like the leader in the family. Cause now it leaves Jada like, what am I? Like, how do I garner my attention? Like, I need something. And then there comes the red table and then comes her, her book and her leveraging will through hate to gain popularity and attention, right? And it's again, it just goes back to the same thing, right? It's just unfortunate that hate and resentment is more popular than being positive and, and love and respect of an individual right yeah but it's unfortunate but that's just like 
the way it works. Like right now, okay, earlier, I just did like a little soliloquy talking about the respect and appreciation I have for Drake, right? Uh-huh. People will hear that. It'll go nowhere. Yeah. But if I was like yelling at the top of my lungs, Drake is trash, Drake is this. You'd be everywhere. That's more likely to garner a response, right? So I think... Yeah. This the way social media is constructed. I think that hate and that resentment is just designed is what draws people in, right? Yeah, the people want the drama, right? People want to be able to just like talk about a dramatic situation, right? Again, here we are talking about a dramatic situation because again, it's it's what is feed to us, right? We can't talk about Oh, look at this couple. Like, they're doing great. Like, I one day I want to be like them. No, because, like, it just doesn't work. It doesn't create clicks. Uh, a point just came to my mind that I really want to get out there before I lose this train of thought, right? So you see how Jada is, is trying to peddle this book, right? Mm-hmm. And she's doing all of this to peddle books. I think part of the reason why we see a decline in the publishing industry mm-hmm. is partially why I really believe that hip hop is going to decline very badly. Yeah. Because I do see certain parallels when I look at patterns, right? So the publishing industry, they're not, they're no longer interested in like meeting young authors, developing them, developing them, building them up. And allowing them to put out books and then eventually leverage those books to become other endeavors, right? Right. They just want the celebrities like a Jada Pinkett. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, Jada Pinkett did not write a single letter in that book, bro. <laughs> I know for a fact she didn't write a single letter. What they do is the publisher sees an opportunity. Yeah. So they'll reach out to her, like, or they'll reach out to her and her her agent, her literary agent or manager, whoever. And they'll say, we have an idea for a book. We have some ghostwriters who will write the book for you. Mm-hmm. So the ghostwriter will meet with Jada, follow her around, listen to her, let her tell her entire life story, see how she talks, try to write it in a way that mirrors how she speaks. And then they put out the book, throw Jada's name on it, and it's her book. And she's the author. Yeah. Yeah. Right? She didn't write shit, but she's the yeah. author. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happens in hip hop. Rather than them meeting young raw talent, developing them, teaching them how to become a star, and having a story, a journey, yeah, 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 they just want someone who's big on YouTube or big on TikTok, big on IG, ready made, put them out. Yeah, again, is that we're losing recipes? We're losing Drakes, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're not and- gonna have seeing someone that started from um, his first album, first project. And the the build up to his success that's never gonna happen again. And that's right? the there's there's no one that we could create a documentary about. We're not gonna have a Yeet documentary, <laughs> right? No. And this and and yeah, like you said, we're losing Drake's. We're losing out on the J.K. Rowling's of the world. Like we're losing out on these level of talents because the industry these industries have just gotten lazy. Yeah. So the idea that like you think that you can like for me, someone who writes books, like you know me, I've been doing this thing mm-hmm. for years, right? Yeah. It's kind of disrespectful for you to, you know, sit there and tell me that she's an author of a book that I know she didn't write. Yeah. And, and just you, say, I have a book. Like, wait, Jada Pickett's on. Why is she on? Oh, she has a book. 
a book. book. Of what? <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't write the book, and all you're doing is just you're peddling, not like, and you're throwing your like you're destroying your like your I don't even know her husband, ex husband, whatever the hell they are. You have to throw dirt on this guy's name for you to sell some books. That's probably not even going to sell all that much if we're being real. No, she's going to buy it up, buy it back. That's all it is, <laughs> That's all it is bro. Like, if she's going to do a couple of, like, book signings, whatever, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the publisher will pay out the New York Times to say, yeah. this is the New York Times best. Time. <laughs> it didn't sell shit. But that's how the game is played, right? Yeah, the game is game. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's just so much. There's so many parallels. At the end of the day, our lack of appreciation for it being done the right way and everything needing to be done just fast and microwave, this microwave society that we're in, it's just leading to us losing that authentic art. Jordan, this was a, this was a good episode. Yeah, yeah it was a lot, lot to get out of this, yeah. A lot, yeah. I think we covered a lot of great topics, man. It was a great time as always, bro. Yeah, enjoy it. Thank you for having me on the episode again. Always a pleasure. Always here to be the B Mike and come alongside and deliver what I can. You know, it's always great to have conversation, talk that real talk, and you know, just discuss what's on our minds. Definitely, yeah. More wire to wire. That's it, bro. More real talks to come, bro.